I don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to fly through, so I hope you can listen to someone speaking like really fast. Um, and we do have some really good pictures, and I'm going to talk about those and, and fly through. But first, I just want to tell you a little tiny bit about myself really quickly, because you know what? God, the whole purpose of this is to tell you God has a plan for people's lives, even when you don't know it. Because like I told you a little bit last night, I was not a Christian growing up. I didn't become one until I was 22. And it's a shock still today to me where I'm at right now. And it shocks everybody I grew up with. Like when they find out I teach in a Christian school, they're like, what? How did that happen? And I'm like, I do not know. Um, when I went to college, I started partying when I was really young. Partied, partied. Went to college. Got It got a lot worse. And that's what ended up um, leading me to becoming a Christian was it got so bad um, We'll start the pictures in the minute. Um, that's about the reservation and like the stuff I don't have any pictures for. But um, it got so bad. I was partying and stuff and trying to fill this hole inside of me that like partying and dating and all this stuff and doing crazy things. I was doing everything I could to try to fill some kind of a hole inside of me and nothing was doing it. And it becomes really frustrating when you're doing that with your life. And so what did I do? I did more drinking and more drugs. And, and it just was, it's like the hole was getting bigger. And so I got to a point where I just wanted to die. And I was taking so many different combinations of drugs and stuff, just thinking, well, maybe, maybe I just won't wake up and that'll be awesome. And, um, and it would have been fine with me at that point. And then my dad came down to college and made a surprise visit, realized I was kind of a mess. And he's not an Adventist, still isn't, but somebody had stuck a Doug Batchelor um, prophecy seminar thing in his mailbox, and he went to it at the Adventist church. This was like 10 years, 15, a little bit more than 10 years ago. And he happened to go to that seminar. So when he came down to where I was living 15 hours away and saw that I was a mess, he's like, I don't know what to do with you. You've messed your life up. I can't fix it. Maybe Jesus can. And for me to even hear my dad say that was shocking because we didn't go to church growing up. So it was kind of like, wow, why is dad talking about Jesus? This is so weird. So he took me to the Adventist church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, which is where I was, went to college and stuff. And um, the very first time I went in that church, it was like God surrounded me with people that made me feel not like I, like I was not a bad person, and I never stopped going. And I immediately was like, wow, this is what I needed inside. And so I quit hanging out with all of my friends. I was halfway through college, and I literally did not have any friends after that because I had to separate myself when you're doing drugs and stuff. It's just hard to continually be around that. And so... At that point, I, I actually tried with my best friend to tell her, I'm going to quit. And she made fun of me, actually tried to hit me, and was kind of like, what, you think you're better than us now? And so at that point, I realized, you know what, I'm going to have to separate myself from all these people. The last two years of college, I never really made any um, Christian friends because there weren't a lot of young Christian people at the beach. It was like a party place to be. And um, tell you what, though, that last two years of college, me being alone, not having a lot of friends, but learning about God for the first time in my life at 22, 21, I guess I was, um, the most fulfilling time in my entire life. Like, you can be completely alone as far as human beings go, but if you have God there and he's working on you, it feels awesome. And I've never felt as great as I did at that time, and it was wonderful. So God had a plan for my life. I was an art major in college. For some reason, I changed my major to elementary ed while I was in college. I don't know why. I hated school up until the day I graduated. Like, I hated it. But God had a plan for my life, and somehow I took, like, an Education 101 class, ended up becoming a teacher, shocked me. I didn't even tell my dad for, like, a year that I changed my major because he was an art major, didn't want to hurt his feelings, and it's like, I don't know why I'm doing these things. But it's like God was moving me, and I didn't even know it. After um, college, and I started teaching public school, I loved it. I taught in a really disadvantaged school. Um, I got all the kids that nobody, none of the other teachers wanted, and 
I just enjoyed the challenge of trying to make them want to do good in school and want to do things um, and be positive. And so I loved that job, but still there was something missing. I was going to church. I had become baptized. You know, I had this job. I worked for, for three years in the public school, and I loved the job, but I still felt like I kind of wasn't living up to my potential, and I didn't know what to do. Our church had a spiritual gift seminar. I went through the whole thing. It was like a week and a half long. At the end of it, it said, my talents were working with disadvantaged children. And I was like, great, I already knew that. I thought I was going to find out something that was going to give me a purpose and, you know, lead me on to something a little bit more fulfilling. And I was kind of sad after that seminar because I already knew that I liked working with disadvantaged um, children. Um, long story short, I used to fly out here to hike a lot because South Carolina's flat and I love the West. And um, I emailed the conference office here and said, I'm getting ready to come on a hiking trip. Do you have any mission stuff going on? I'd like to like see what it's like and join up with it because our church is not doing anything mission like back east. And I just feel like I want to do something for God. And all I wanted was like a week-long mission trip and ended up, they emailed me back and they're like, there's no mission stuff going on, but you sound like the perfect person for this job. Um, there's this little school on a reservation. It's been opened one year. There are four kids that have been kicked out of public school. This is what it <laughs> looked like when I got there. There's no money, no supplies, but you could live there for free. You'd have to find your own money and kind of grow the school and find all the money to run the school and just make it into like a real official thing. And I was like, whatever, no, <laughs> sorry. And I was like, this lady's crazy. Why would she think that someone would want to leave a, a well-paying job, move across the country away from everybody they know onto a reservation and why would you do that? And so literally I never gave it another thought. I kind of made fun of it to my friends and stuff. I was like, can you believe this lady thought I'd actually do that? And then I don't even know how long it was later. It was at least a month later. I literally woke up one day. I hadn't even been thinking about it. And I was like, I guess I'm moving. I feel like I better go. Like, literally, I didn't even think about it. Somebody was praying for me or something. So you know what, guys? God has a plan for your life, and you might not even know it. And as long as you're open to him and open to doing what he wants, he will work things out, and it will shock you. And I'm still shocked. And that's been seven years ago since I moved out there. So I did take the job. I went out there. When I got there, some of you that cooked in the cafeteria today saw that's, what, that's where the school was, was in the front end. But I had... It had grown to 10 kids by the time I got there and um, taught Sabbath school and started a Sabbath school program. And I was like, I can't teach 10 kids in the front end of a trailer. So I begged them to have this building. And they're like, you're crazy. We want to tear it down. And I'm like, no, no, I got to make that into the school. So this is what it looked like when I got there. Um, and um, this is the, there it was, uh, about, a, about a year later, we finally got enough volunteers to come out. And that's what it looked like um, after a year, which to me was like wonderful compared to where I was at. I was very happy with it. The next few pictures I put in there, just for those of you who are working in there today, is for you to see that it did look like a nice classroom when we were in there. You can't see mice running around and spiders and stuff like that, but, uh, which is what it was like. But it was visually pleasing. You can flip through those ones. There's the junior high. I was telling some of you the junior high kids were in the kitchen. That was our junior high classroom. Um, here's some of the kids. There's the other view of the junior high classroom. Um, we can just flip through. There's the library. There's the kids working. Um, okay, you can stop at this one. This was my first year teaching. No, my second year teaching there. And you can see all the kids are kind of young. Um, Almost all those kids still go there, and they're all grown now. And it's like a real blessing to still be there and have seen them grown and know that they're learning, 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 learning about God all the time. So that, like, at least when they graduate our school in eighth grade, I know they have got so much 
knowledge about the Bible, I feel like my students know more about the Bible than most adults do because we do Bible every day and that's the one time when they're wide awake and they're listening to every word I say because it just is, it shocks them, the stuff that's in the book that they didn't even know was there because no one has ever opened it up to them. And so they're really interested in it and about how everything fits together. Um, this is the trailer that some of you, the new school, we called it the new school. This is when it got delivered. I told some of you a quick story about that. Um, the other building was condemned, thought we were going to be kicked out of it. Um, and I was sad at the thought that the school might have to close over something little like a building. So I was like, what are we going to do, God? Anyways, started praying about it. 57 days after I started, that building got delivered. And some of you saw it today. And it's a really nice school. And I'm so thankful and happy for it. And the kids... The biggest thing is the kids have a place where they can be proud. They're not ashamed of it, whereas when they were in the house, people would make fun of them. When I would pick them up for school because I have to drive the bus, like we'd go by the other yellow school buses and all the kids would duck. They don't want people to see them. They don't want people to see them walking into the little house, even though they love their school and they love that their teacher loves them and that it's safe there and I don't allow cussing or anything negative. They know they can't be a part of the school if they're acting that way, but they don't want people to know that. So when we got the new building, it was, it was good for the whole community. It's one of the nicest buildings there. And it just it, it was nice that the kids could feel good about their school and their parents too. Um, there's what it, uh, we stuccoed the front of it. The next couple pictures just show the transformation of that. Um, this one kind of, some of the pictures got out of line when I burnt them. Um, I'll tell you about these two though. The one on the right there, Alex, is the first student. She just graduated from eighth grade um, two months ago. She was the first student that went all the way through our school. Alyssa, that's her little sister. The lady in the background is their great grandma and she was like a famous potter. The Maricopa tribe is famous for pottery. There's only a few hundred Maricopas left. Not a lot of cultural pride at all. They laughed when I tried to um, teach them some of their stories, and they laughed when I tried to convince them that they should learn their language. There's only nine people left that speak the language. And, you know, I found out these girls' grandma is, like, one of the most famous potters, and she has pottery in the Herd Museum that's worth, like, tens of thousands of dollars a piece. And I'm like, you guys should be so proud. And they're just like, why should we be proud of that? And I'm like, it's your culture. You should be proud of it. People are envious of Native Americans. They think it's really cool to be Native American, and you don't even care. So that's how it was seven years ago, and it's come around. And I've had people come in and teach all kinds of cultural lessons, and now we're having language classes, and the language is slowly coming back. Um, and so these two, the most precious story of all, just seeing their transformation, there's about... 23 people living in their little tiny house and it burnt down a couple of years ago and actually some of you might be familiar with a project that was done here in Arizona where um, the Pathfinders helped do this mission project, raise money and build them a new house. And um, these girls, their family, you know, from the outside for people to look in on their family like outsiders that come in don't have a lot of respect because um, they live with their mom and their grandma and their grandpa and uncles and aunts and all sorts of people living there. And everybody drinks and gets high and stuff like that. But I'll tell you what, everybody in that family has treated me nicer than anyone and than Christians have. I mean, they've really welcomed me in ever since I got there. And um, they love their kids, you know, and that's where people get a misconception. I, I don't know if it's just on the reservation or in other mission areas, but people come in and they automatically assume, oh, they're drinking and they smoke and they're doing drugs, so they're bad. 
And it's like, no, this is generations of people that have learned that that's what you do. You know, these kids, if it wasn't for our school and somebody showing them that, hey, you know, it's not normal to start drinking when you're 12 and smoking cigarettes when you're like 10 and to not graduate high school. And that's not the norm. And you don't have to do that. And there's more to life than that. And that's why our school is so important, because literally, like they don't really you know, they don't, they don't think anything of it and their parents don't think a whole lot of it. And I'm not saying every single parent, but as the majority of the people, I've been there a long time and I lived there for three years. So those, that's like my community too. Um, people don't realize, you know, and the kids don't realize, you know, the grandparents and the parents drink. And then the, I had a sixth grade, a boy drop out in sixth grade. It's their cousin and he drinks and smokes and it's just, normal. It's just what families do. They don't think anything's different. That's why people need to work on reservations and change that perception and help kids see that, you know what, it's just because everybody else is doing that, you know, you can do something different. You can graduate high school, you can get a job. And this tribe's a little different. They don't just get a check in the mail. Like a lot of people think native people just get checks in the mail. They don't. It's just, uh, it's like some tribes do from the casinos, but these guys don't. And so, you know, it would benefit them to graduate high school and try to get a job and maybe some of them go to college. And it would probably just take one kid going to college from that little area, <clears throat> that little three square mile area, District 7, where our school is. And other kids would be like, wow, he did it. She did it. I could do it. And so that's what I'm hoping is at least, you know, one of my kids. When I first got there, I had these overzealous expectations that every single kid was going to completely change and be like, you know, drug and alcohol free and never want to cuss and be perfect little angels and and it was frustrating, it took a few years, but it's frustrating for me to see that it doesn't just happen that way because the environment is what it is. And you know, they learn all this great stuff at school and these great manners and how to treat each other. And it's the sweetest thing. <laughs> these girls right here, I mean, they're so thoughtful, but they don't want people to know it because it's just not cool. Like with the adults and the other kids in the community. One time my dogs, when we were in the old school, I have dogs, I've always had dogs and the kids love them. And they would come in the school all day long. And one time, one of my dogs went to the bathroom on the floor, and I was cleaning it up. And this girl on the right came over, and she, she wanted to act all tough, because she always looks like a gangster, just real tough. And she brought this little thing of smelly, fruity lotion over. And while I'm scrubbing the floor, she goes, here, Miss Jessica, want me to hold this to your nose while you're cleaning so you don't get sick to your stomach? And I was like, wow, that's like so thoughtful. You know, like, well, who would even think of such a thing? And I was like, absolutely, yes. And, but they don't want people to know. And it's like, I've tried to fight that battle where it's like, you know what, guys, be proud to be nice people and good people with good manners. But you know what, their parents don't always do that. I got in trouble with a parent once last year because her son went home and she didn't say thank you. And he goes, no, what do you say? And his mom didn't talk to me for a while. She was mad. And I was like, I promise you, I did not tell him to go home and say that to you. But um, so we'll <laughs> And you'll see him, he's a real treat. My kid, you know, the kids on the reservation, by the time they're about 11, they're grown. They don't wanna laugh anymore. They don't wanna be embarrassed of anything. These kids are little, like right there, that girl, 11 years old. Look at her, she looks like a teenager. But they grow up so fast and, and it's really sad, you know? Uh, the things they see at home, um, there's one of my little puppies. They love just, they love the couches. They love a homey environment because it's so different from where they're at at home. And, and another thing is that they like about the school is just their structure. And they know that when they come, it's gonna be peaceful. Everything's gonna be okay. You know, nothing crazy is gonna happen. Every single one of my students has had to deal with you know, going home and you don't know if somebody's gonna be drunk fighting. Cops are always at people's houses. Um, 
that little girl is one of the people I was telling you about. Her parents last night, um, she's one of the kids. And so just even have her smiling in a picture is a big deal because normally it's just like absolute sadness and, and just, you know, doesn't the kids, some of them grow up not wanting to feel good because they know something's going to wreck it when they get home. Somebody's going to be chasing someone around with an axe or somebody's going to be shooting at someone or somebody's going to be, you know, in the hospital or somebody, you know, the cops are going to be after someone. So they're hiding them. And it's like an everyday thing, stuff that if it happened to us, we'd be like, wow, that's such a big deal. It's not even a big deal to me anymore. I hear these stories every Monday morning. I kids get in the van and they're like, my grandpa was chasing us around the fire with an ax last night. I had to jump in the window. And it's like, really? And they're like laughing about it. And I'm like, that's not that funny. <laughs> it's like, that's really hardcore. <laughs> Anyways, this is San Diego. I took them to the beach. We raised money. They have yard sales. They have bake sales. They bake their own stuff. We sell it at the road. We raise money. The tribe kicked in some money. I took them to the beach. Um, this is one of my students. She was like 12 and beautiful. And I took her aside and I was like, look, you're a pretty girl. She lives in the projects. There's a lot of boys hanging around. She, her mom, you know, parents don't make them, for the most part, stay in. And she was running around. The police told me there, because the police come to the school all the time, and they were like, is that girl your student? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, she's 18, right? And I'm like, she's 12. And they're like, she was running around the projects at like 1.30 in the morning with a mini skirt on. And I was like, oh, we need to have a talk. So I talked to her about you know, pregnancy and stuff like that. A few months later, she was pregnant at 12. This is her baby. We made the best of it as we can. And that was years ago, and it was really sad because she wanted to be a veterinarian, and she did so good. She missed a year of school and then like three months of the next year of school and still scored above grade level on her standardized tests. I mean, she was a talented girl, but she dropped out. And I, I mean, I, did the, I worked with her, but when she was done with eighth grade, she never went to high school. And she still, though, I can go over there. Her baby's like two, three years old now. I go over to the projects and she comes running out, Miss Jessica, I love you so much. Look at my daughter praise. And her little girl, now I lay me down to sleep. You know, it's like, it's the sweetest thing. And she actually wrote me a letter that I keep hanging in there and it was the sweetest thing. It was like, you know what, Miss Jessica, I thank you. I thank you for everything you've taught me. I would have never learned it if it wasn't for this school. You taught me about my God, my savior Jesus. And if it wasn't for this school, I would have never learned it. And I believe that, you know, the things you have taught me have brought my family closer together. And it's like, those those kind of things with all the trouble and stress of working there, those are the things that make me, you know, realize, okay, it's getting through to the kids, and so this is worth it. It's getting through. Might not look like it from the appearance, but it's in there. And that's what I notice with all the kids. It's things they write me and say to me through paper or through cards or things they do. They're not, you know, I don't know if it's all tribes, but with these guys, they're not real good at sharing their feelings, you know, and sometimes I'll think somebody hates me, and then they'll give me a letter, and it's like, I totally thought that kid did not like me, and it'll be the sweetest thing in the world, like the most thoughtful thing, and I save everything. I've got tubs and tubs of letters and pictures that the kids have drawn, because that's the only way they show their feelings. We can flip through them, sorry. This is just a day at the park. We liked, I try to give them a reason to want to come to school, because it's not enforced on the reservation to go to school, and, so they, and their parents don't enforce it, and so literally, like, it's not uncommon for them to miss 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 days of school. It's totally normal. So me, I feel privileged when they show up because no one's making them come. So I try to make it fun. I reward them with days at the park to play PE. This is them learning Maricopa pottery from some of the elders in the tribe. Um, this is them at the little museum of the Gila River. Um, this is the girls by some Maricopa pottery. 
Um, the girls learn in their pottery. There's at the Herd Museum, Alex and Alyssa's grandma. Her name's Barbara Johnson. This is them cooking. I've taught them to cook. They know how to cook. They know how to read recipes. They know how to cook and bake. We have to do it to raise money. Birthdays. When I first taught there, I'm not kidding you, the first year I was there, I did not have one student out of 10 that knew the day of their birthday. And this is like a kindergarten through sixth grades I had the first year, and not one of them knew their birthday. So we make a big celebration every year for their birthday. I make them a cake, and they get the room decorated and little treats and stuff. <clears throat> Christmas play. <laughs> they hate the play. Um, <laughs> I give them... <laughs> I pay them, though, like those girls are wearing beards. Both of those girls with the beards on are girls. And I'm like, if somebody will wear a beard, I will give you $10. And it's like, okay, I'll wear a beard. Because <laughs> I'm like, it looks so much cooler, and it makes the play at least funny because they're terrified, and their plays are like, <laughs> like you can't hear them, so it's all in the appearance of what they look like because they're terrified to say anything out loud. But they do it every year. We've had a play every year. <laughs> they hate me for it. <laughs> This is the garden. You know, the Maricopa tribe was traditionally farmers. It's a long story, but um, the Gila River, it's on Gila River Indian Reservation. The Gila River used to be flowing with water, and their tribe used to be farmers. And then down by Florence, they dammed off the water and diverted it into Florence and Casa Grande. And so their way of life 100 years ago was gone, and that's what started the drinking. And so now the tribe's giving money to get this farming stuff going. And we've had a garden every year, and there's the finished product, one of them. And the next picture is a different, there's a finished product of one of our gardens. <clears throat> this is at the Arizona Science Center. Just a, uh, I've thrown in a bunch of field trip pictures. I'll tell you one thing about these. This is White Sands, New Mexico. We went there a couple years ago because the kids, for no other reason other than the kids have never seen snow. And I'm like, hmm, White Sands looks like... <laughs> White sands looks like snow. I had to drive to Flagstaff to find sleds, and so we went sled riding in New Mexico. On the <laughs> and they loved it. This is Pima Air and Space Museum. We're going to have to fly through the pictures. I'm sorry. Chiricahua National Monument. This is a, we used to be in the parade every year until they got older, and they were terrified because people would make fun of them. That's their traditional Maricopa dress. Alicia, little sweetheart, right there, love ain't gay. That's the kind of, they feel like it's bad to love, like loving is un uncool, and so she made me that picture, love ain't gay, <laughs> like, God is not hate, he is love. <laughs> this is the kids with my dogs, that's my puppies. <clears throat> There's Gabby with her baby, look in the background, like that's the, com that's the area that the kids are, you know, these babies are grown up in, that's little Alicia choosing to get baptized. I don't push baptism at all. There's Gabby and her mom. Uh, the mountains, we go hiking a lot. Uh, snow, we finally did see snow a couple years ago. We went up to Holbrook and they had snow and that was the first time these kids have ever seen it. This right here, these kids all come to church every single weekend. Um, they're like the, the most precious part of this little girl has been coming to church since she was in her mommy's belly. Story about her mom. These are just pictures of the kids at their house. Story about that little girl um, and the last slide's mom, you know, her mom has been battling drugs ever since I got there. And I was telling somebody last night, her mom actually stole my digital camera and came and sold it back to me. She wanted 40 bucks for it. I knew she stole it. I knew it disappeared when she came to our yard sale. She came to the door and she's like, I found something laying out in the field. I think you want it. And it was our $500 camera because I need that camera for promoting our school. And I was like, let's see. And she opened up these napkins and my camera's in there. And I'm like, oh, I kind of knew that would be in there. And I'm like, oh, thank you. And I went to grab it and she grabbed it back. And she's like, my friends told me I could get like 200 for this, but I knew you'd give me a reward. And I was like, okay, how much do you want? She's like, I'll take 40 for it. I was like, I'm paying $40 to get my own camera back. 
I was like, okay, I'll give you 20. And because I, I lived there, I was afraid, you know, I'm going to get shot or somebody's going to steal my car or something. You know, it's, you got to be careful and kind of let things slide if you want to be safe. <laughs> so um, there's some more kids. That's a crew that's been coming to church. Okay, interesting story about this. That's Alex, the one that just graduated. I showed you a picture earlier. That baby, one day the kids got in the van and their faces were like white. And I'm like, what's the matter? And they're like, mom just had the baby. Her mom was so messed up on meth, she went into labor, didn't even wake up, and the baby came out, and the kids heard the baby screaming, and went in and saw it, and there was like blood all over the bed. And they were just like white when I got there to pick them up. I knew something crazy happened. Their mom didn't even wake up when she had the baby. It just like came out. That's the baby. <laughs> he comes to church almost every Sabbath, though. This right here is the reason I do it. The kids, we may not always tell you we love you, but we do. I have this framed in my bedroom just because... They don't outwardly show that they love or appreciate anything. And this is from a kid that doesn't outwardly show it. But little things like that, it's like, okay, I need that. That's going to keep me going, keep me figuring out why I do what I do. Really quickly, I just want to tell you, youth and the audience, you know what? I taught public school. I loved it. Something was missing. God, I tried mission work, and there is no better feeling in the entire world than doing something where you know you are helping people and your results of your work can be, like, eternal. And I didn't think I could do it. Standing up here, terrifying. Don't like to be in front of people. Very shy person. God will enable you. And you might not have to figure out on your own, oh, there were more pictures. I thought there were some missing. These are just different things going on. We can flip through them really fast. But they got CPR certified. This is a family thing, family fun night diabetes program. I try to have a bunch of programs at the school and bring the parents in. It gets them used to coming to the church for things. Um, Nintendo Wii, the tribe bought it for us for physical education, so the kids, I don't have to force them to really want to do PE class. This is at the Tempe Park. Um, if They have to earn stickers, and when they earn a bunch, we'll go spend the whole day playing sports at the park, and they love it, and we'll have a picnic. Um, and then we go swimming, because there's a swimming pool at my community. This is my crew hiking. This is us hiking at the mountains. <laughs> they always pout, though. They get really tired really quick. <laughs> Um, this is them learning to use a traditional drill at the Herd Museum. <laughs> There's the Gila River, what it looks like before they dammed it off. I took the kids out to that site. This is the longest walk. I don't know if you read about it last year. Longest walk. A bunch of natives walked from San Francisco to D.C. They did it 30 years ago. We joined them when they were walking through Flagstaff for six miles. So it was like the kids were a part of history. This is them cleaning up the community. This is all the junk they cleaned up. This is Grace helping me cook. This is the kids cooking, the kids' birthday party. <laughs> Look at, we cook Thanksgiving dinner. Don't act like you enjoy it. In all the pictures, they want to act like they hate life, but believe me, they don't. <laughs> Valentine's tree, of course, you got to have a Valentine tree. Christmas tree, they don't have that at home, so you got to have that at school. Um, this is the old library. I put that in there for those of you who worked in the library today. That's what it looked like my first year there. This is a last year's play. This is after the play. They always smile after it's over. Um, Valentine's, we go to the... This is up in that hotel across the street with the turning thing. I had a spelling bee thing. Whoever had the three highest spelling scores for the entire year got to go up in that restaurant that turns around back here in this Hyatt. There's them at White Sands. Uh, firemen came. I tried to get the community to come in. There's Trey. When he was a little boy, I went over to his house. He was four years old. The ambulance and stuff were there. He had smoked a whole joint and had a seizure. And his mom tried to pass it off that, like, it was a mistake. And I know that it was because she wanted him to go to sleep because he's really hyper. And she's like, oh, he smoked a whole joint. And I'm like, yeah, I know you gave it to him. 
but this is us camping. We go camping all the time. They have to set it all up and they have to take it all down. And it's so cool to watch them. As soon as we get out of the van, they just take charge because they know that that's when we get to have fun. I do get to take them on a lot of the trips. The tribe will pay for me to take them on trips. They're some of my little buddies. Nathan, he's a boxer. It's really something he's really proud of. There's his parents, the parents I was telling you about last night. There they are. Um, I had a girl that wanted to be a fireman, so I had the fireman come out. Uh, try a new animal coming soon. Venice Beach, we went to medieval times. We studied the medieval times in social studies, so the five um, best attendance kids got to go to medieval times in December. Uh, the tribe donated computers. We haven't had any for six years. That's the governor. The kids got um, some governor scholar awards, and we went to this big dinner. It was a really big deal for them. That's the governor and lieutenant governor. This is a San Diego this year. Uh, camping. Graduation. Graduation. There you go. That's the school. Okay. So I do want to end on the good note, though, where I was saying, you know, you might want to do something for God, but you might have no idea what it is. Like I didn't. I was like, man, I already knew my spiritual gifts were working with kids. And it was kind of depressing to me because I couldn't think of a job that had that kind of qualification. But you know what? If you want to work for God and you pray for it and you're open to him, he will find you a job that fits just right. A job that you didn't even imagine was there. I love this job. You know, I was a drinker and a partier, and I can use that to talk to these kids and say, don't do that, because you know what's going to happen? I know what's going to happen. I've been there. You know, he'll enable you. He'll put you in a perfect fit. You just got to be open and pray about it, and he will use you. He needs lots of workers, and he wants lots of workers, and he'll enable you to do it. You know, I can't believe I've been out there. This is my eighth year. You guys saw it today. I'm completely alone. I've always been alone. You know, I pick them up, I cook for them, I teach them, I cook lunch for them, clean it up, take them home, have to raise the money, have to do all the grocery shopping. The people at Walmart think I'm crazy. They're always like, you must have a lot of kids because like twice a week I'm going through Walmart with a cart overflowing with food and I'm like, I don't have any kids. <laughs> These are not for me. But you know what? God helps me to have the energy to do it and I'm not even, I'm tired, but it's not like I'm miserable. I'm completely happy and he'll do it for you too. He needs lots of workers. So I'm telling you, it's the best way to go with your life. Just be open, pray, and God will help you. Thank you for letting me share. I'm sorry I went over. <laughs>